Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is the Scott Squad Podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Toner. We recap the Old Firm's month of September. How far can both clubs go in Europe? Is Seville cursed for the Old Firm? Rangers transfer business and Scotland finishing top of their Nations League group. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So Chris, it's been a while mate. Welcome back to Scott Squad. Yeah, glad to be back. As you say, it's too long, so let's get going. Alright, so when was the last time you were on again? Um, last October, the Stevie G episode, I think. Yeah, I think it was. And a lot has happened since Stephen Gerrard left Rangers. Um, Celtic are now champions. Rangers made the Europa League final. It's been chaotic, hasn't it? Yeah, quite the unpredictable 12 months in Scottish football. Yeah, so we've got a lot to speak about, Chris. So we're just going to recap what happened uh, in September. So I think we should start off talking about the old firm game. Um, obviously, in Celtic meeting just 4-0. Um, it was a real so one for me personally, of course, but I imagine you were absolutely delighted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wasn't meant to get away from work so early for it. Um, I happened to get away from work, from work early. Um, and yeah, bit of a masterclass from Celtic really, wasn't it? So Stephen, going into that game, by the way, what was your prediction? Um, I was, I was quite quietly confident. I'm never, I'm not one of these type of Celtic fans, as you know, that gets ahead of themselves ahead of the game and thinks, yeah, we're going to scud them all this and that. Um, I was um downplaying my expectations a wee bit, so I wouldn't be too disappointed if we didn't get a result on the day. Um, so I was kind of downplaying it that I would take a one-one or what sneak a two-one. Um, but um just by how Celtic had been playing up until that point and Rangers looked like they were maybe on a bit of a sugary peg. I was like, at the end of the game, yeah, that's probably kind of the right result. Because like, see, going into it, I felt as though it was going to be a very a very tight game because Rangers were in good form going into it as well because we had just qualified for the Champions League for the first time in 12 years, beating PSV. So go, I knew it was good. I thought it was going to be a tight game, so I said before it, I, I was going one each. And then, boy, was I wrong. Um, it was just a disaster from start to finish. Um, obviously, Celtic scored in the first eight minutes through a badder. Um, John McLaughlin had a a shambolic performance. Um, and he's, I think, ever since that game, I think Gio realised, right, he's, he can't be number one. Because going into this season, though, he was meant to be number one. And I was willing to entertain it because beforehand, John McLaughlin had never really put a foot wrong for Rangers. And obviously, Al McGregor's getting older. So I was like, okay, we'll see how it goes. And before the Celtic game, he was doing okay. Didn't really put put a foot wrong. At all. Um, and then <laughs> that game was just all in him. I don't care what anyone says. I know the team were terrible. Every player was shambolic. But the, the one that stood out was John McLaughlin. Like, see Jota's goal. How he was able to score from that angle was criminal. It was just unacceptable on every level. Yeah, that's not really in take away from a player of Jot, Jota's calibre. I mean, um, I think it was the very first couple of games. I don't know at what point it ran out, but um, Jota had a part to play, either scoring or assisting every one of Celtic's goals until one point. So, um, yeah, I'd say that it doesn't take away anything from Jota, but... Um, it was definitely a goal that um the Gotland should have dealt with a lot better than the Turnbull one to make it four 0 basically 
playing it out to him. That one, that was a criminal one for me. Yeah, like you see, I was watching with Declan uh, in his flat, and as soon as McLaughlin just passed out to tumble, I just burst out laughing. I was like, that just sums up how bad we have been today. And credit where it should Celtic fully deserved the result. They absolutely battered Rangers on the day. And it's just as soon as a badder scored early on, <clears throat> the Rangers players' heads just went right down. And it's almost like they accepted defeat at that point, you know. Uh, but see, after that result, were you thinking, right, Celtic can go on and just steamroll this league? Are you still being like in the mindset of it's still very early on, long way to go? And we'll get on to the St. Mirren result quite soon. But are you still in that mindset of it's still very early on to be making, yeah, outlandish, yeah, making outlandish predictions? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, that stretch of games up until the St. Mirren game, which before you mentioned that, I was obviously going to bring up. Um, I was going to be like, yeah, obviously it will even itself out to some extent at some point. Um, obviously, we suffered a defeat in the very next league game. Um. 2-0 against St Mirren. I, I didn't see it, thankfully, but um, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't expect that one so soon after like the run of form that we'd been on. Um, but obviously, I know that it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We only need to take a look at last season. Rangers having a seven-point lead about Christmas time, and then that all fell apart come the new year. So, let me get this uh, correct. Um, the last time Celtic won a game was against us. Yes. Oh, geez, oh. Um, yeah, so obviously uh, a couple of days later, we'll speak about the Champions League um, because the Celtic also from games kind of old news, so we just wanted to briefly gloss over it there. Um, but yeah, a couple of days later, Celtic played in Champions League against Real Madrid and it was a look at Modric's masterclass, wasn't it? Like that that boy just loves playing in Glasgow, doesn't he? Yeah, Scotland again against Scotland in the Euros for Croatia absolutely bossed the midfield that night. Um, that the Cal McGregor chance in the first half that hit the inside of the post that will long live in the memory of Celtic fans as to what might have been. Um, obviously Maida should have buried it in the opening minutes of the second half as well. But um, as much as I felt that everyone says the first goal can change a game, but at the same time I just think that a team in Madrid's class, even if we took even just one of those chances, I still feel that Madrid's class would have shone through in the end and they would have won comfortably. So, what do you make of Celtic Champions League group then? Um, well, obviously, you can admit Rangers have the much tougher group, um, but how do you like? What do you, how do you fancy Celtic chances of progressing out this group? Can you see Celtic making the last sixteen? Um, at the very worst, um. We should be in Europe after Christmas, even if that's the Europa League. Um, obviously, when the draw get made, I think everyone overlooked Shakhtar Donetsk with everything that's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Um, them having to play their games in Poland and not well, Champions of Europe as well. Where they should be aiming for maximum points. Um, Leipzig obviously making a Europa League semi finals. So Shakhtar were the team that everyone was overlooking, and then look what they did in the first game beating Leipzig 4-1, but um, it all depends on how this doubleheader against Leipzig goes. I think to have any hope of getting out of the group into the last 16 Champions League, Celtic need to be aiming for at least four, if not the maximum of six points, and then you've got the home game against Shakhtar after the Leipzig doubleheader, so it's these next three games it's going to come down to because we're not going to get anything going to the burnabout, I believe. So what do you make of Posse Coglu's 
stubbornness and not wanting to like change the system up or the style of play in Europe. Because I said to you for a long time, if he continues with this mindset of being stubborn, stick to plan A, I think it will come back and really cost Celtic in Europe, in my opinion. But what do you think? Uh, yeah, like it works domestically, but it's um, a whole different game in Europe. Um, just even look at last season, um, the Bodo Glimp game, like that was just that was bad. And then, but I think it's maybe even carried over. Saying obviously we got straight into the Champions League this year with winning the league. Um, thank you, Rangers. I'll say that right now. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's carried over a wee bit and uh, just need to shake it off and I'm interested in seeing what his tactics boil down to in the Leipzig game this coming week. Yeah, because obviously they sacked their manager <clears throat> quite recently. Um, yeah. So they, they'll obviously have got a new manager coming, fresh ideas, new voice. So it won't be, you won't be coming up against a, a Leipzig side that are fragile, you know. Um but yeah, I do believe though Postacoglu really needs to have a, a plan B because look at look what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst done last season and you know he had a plan B. When we came up against Leipzig, we didn't have a natural striker. We were playing Ryan Kent up front and we, we were playing the 3-5-2. We would go from 3-5-2, 4-2-3-1, depending on who we were playing in Europe and it worked, made the Europa League final. Um, and if we had Gerrard um, last season, just say he didn't leave, right? There's a, I, I do not believe Rangers would have made the Europa League final. Gio deserves a lot of credit for being so tactically smart and being willing to adapt to whatever team he was playing against. So I think Postacoglu does need to realise, right, the style of play works perfectly in the SPFL, but when you come up against the big dogs in Europe, like your Real Madrid and your Leipzigs, that's where he needs to have a, a plan B. Because, yes, as I said, it's fine that they do it domestically, but if Celtic want to have a really good crack at Europe this season, and I really think the... It really, I think it's really important for them to do so, considering what happened last season, getting knocked out of three European competitions. So, I think Celtic should really prioritize prioritize Europe this season. Yeah, um, definitely prioritize, um, giving a better account of ourselves. Um, obviously, having progressed in a knockout tie in eighteen going on nineteen years, so um, give a good account of ourselves in this group if we. Well, I don't think if we get into the last 16 of the Champions League, um, if we'll be second in the group, I don't see anyone bar Real top in our group. So you're probably going to come up against another top dog in Europe. Um, so hope more than anything. But if we get into the Europa League, then that's when I'd really want to see us having a proper crack at Europe. Yeah, I can, yeah no, I agree. Um, because look what happened with Rangers last season, as we've just touched on, like... Even though Celtic had won the league by the time we made the Europa League final, basically, I don't think it was mathematically like concluded yet, but everyone knew that Celtic were going to win the league. But even when Rangers made the Europa League final, even yourself and other Celtic fans, when they seen the scenes at Ibrox, are like, even though we won the league, but like they were jealous. Like, you, like I would be jealous if it, if it's the other way about, you know. Um, so like, do you feel as though um, Rangers making Europa League final last season kind of? Like, what's the right word to use? Do you think it kind of, like, overshadowed Celtic winning the league? Um, don't know about overshadowed. Obviously, Celtic were far from expected to come close to Rangers last season. Um, Ange did a brilliant job, credit where credit's due. But, um, 
yeah, Scottish side making a European final in this day and age where money talks and this kind of thing isn't really meant to happen. Obviously, that's going to take notice. Um, we'll say that outside of Scotland, the now the fact that Rangers didn't win the competition, the people care as much, maybe not, but um, certainly doesn't take away from the achievement Rangers made last season. Yeah, it was. I thought it was like great for Scottish football the fact that Rangers were able to go on and do that, and obviously losing in penalties was like heartbreaking. Like I said to you the other day in the group chat. Because it still is very raw in Rangers fans' minds. Like, how could it not be, you know? And I imagine a lot of Celtic fans <clears throat> felt the same in Seville in 2003. Um, obviously, I think our one was more cruel because we lost in penalties, but I feel as though, um, like, if Rangers had won that, that would have been, like, what an achievement. Like, it was an achievement in itself making the final, but if Rangers went on to win it, it would have been incredible for Scottish football, you know, like could be because last time a Scottish team won a European competition was Aberdeen in the 1980s, so that was about 40 odd years ago, I think, which is mental to think <laughs> about, you know um, but I would I would have rather though um, we got pumped like 4-0 instead of losing on penalties, if I'm being honest, <laughs> like it just made it much more heartbreaking, you know Yeah, it's always a cruelest way it was a final, obviously on a personal level, I'll always say, but Seville's worse for me, but that's easy for me to say if I'm being a Celtic fan. But outside looking in, you're going to go penalties every time. Yeah, because every penalty, like apart from Aaron Ramsey's, all the Rangers penalties, apart from Ramsey's, were brilliant. Like I remember uh, Arfield stepped up and was like, oh no, here we go. Smashed it. And then it, it just had to be Aaron Ramsey, our marquee signing, step up and miss. Like, like I don't know what it is, uh, but it seems like Seville, it's cursed. For the old firm. <laughs> because when I watched the game, it was in the stadium where you played UEFA Cup final. That's where I watched it. Um, and it was a cracking stadium, by the way. Like, and also the, the, the scenes that went on and where, where the game was actually getting played, like where they weren't selling any water. And Rangers fans were, I think, I think the tap water wasn't working as well. And Rangers fans were like all dehydrated. Some were passing out. And the security were taking the Rangers fans' uh, portable chargers off them. It was in, it was horrible the stuff I heard. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, and it was pushing forty Celsius that day. There should have been better treatment of fans. Um, I don't know if UEFA quite launched a full investigation the same way they did with the Champions League final in Paris. The scenes like that, but um, yeah, there was definitely poor planning or something went on there. Yeah, no, it was it was really poor, um, and obviously I told you how I got to Seville. It was um, it was an unbelievable journey. It was seven airports, five countries in the space of like two days, and uh, when I arrived in Seville, obviously it was the day of the game. I arrived, I arrived at like five o'clock or something like that. So we got to the apartment, just stuck our stuff in the room. And then just went straight over to the stadium, like no time to waste, no didn't have any real time to take in the festivities that were going on, you know. Um but yeah, it was it was still it's an, an experience I'll never ever forget. But I do wish though I'd booked tickets, like no flights, as soon as we made the Europa League semi. I wish we'd done it then because as soon as we made the final, I text Steve, my girlfriend, I was like, Eve. Let's get this sorted now, because I was at the game, so I was like, right, we need to get flights and that sorted ASAP. I know, because it was just chaos 
for like airlines at that point because like I, I think if I recall right, websites were crashing because it was just like overloaded with Rangers fans like trying to book flights. Yeah, my actually well, it was the Dortmund result. I first kind of joked to you that I, I was kind of foreseeing it, and you should have booked then. Think how much hundreds of pounds you'd have saved then. Oh yeah, exactly. Because <clears throat> like when we beat Dortmund, that was unthinkable. I remember watching it in my house the away game, and then like beating them like I think it was like four one at one point. More like what is I was like what is going on? Like what is going on here? John Lundstrom scores a a screamer from about from about like twenty five yards. It was I, I had to pinch myself. I was like, no way is this happening. But I will say though, if Hallam is playing, I think it probably would have been a different story. But you can't take anything away from Rangers because that was still a very good Dortmund side out there, and Rangers beat them away, and then Ibrox um, held them to a draw and got through. So I would probably say, but I would say the standout of that European run has to be when we when we beat Leipzig at Ibrox. That was just definitely by far. The best game I've ever experienced. Just the the scenes after it as well, like something really special. And I, I will say I will say this as well. Like, see Manchester, that we were very lucky to get there. We were very lucky, and we lost it when we lost in the final. It was it was it was really it was a slow one, but like Zenit were clearly the better team, you know. And we were just absolutely we were just ran right into the ground because obviously we were playing like three games a week, and our players were just done in. And obviously, that I think us making that final was a lot down to Walter Smith and how he set the teams up. And we were very defensive. And we rode a lot, quite a lot. But this run, though, when we got to the Europa final, we, <clears throat> pardon me, we fully deserved that. That wasn't any luck. We fully deserved to be there. We were fantastic. And the atmosphere at Ibrox in a European night is something else. Like, when we play Liverpool, <clears throat> um, Ibrox, like, I I, I'm fa- I do fancy us to give them give them a game like against Napoli, um, it was <clears throat> like unfortunate in that game just the way it was because we did play well for the first sixty minutes or so, and then obviously like Sands got sent off and then we like had their backs up against the wall and then Napoli just took control but Napoli are a very good side so they are, um, but like just well, before we go into the Mirren game though I just wanted to like touch on Rangers Champions League group um obviously Rangers have Liverpool. <clears throat> Napoli and Ajax. How do you see that going for Rangers? It's obviously the first two games. Rangers haven't picked up any points. Four 0 to Ajax, three 0 to Napoli. Liverpool next week at Anfield. I'll be heading down to Liverpool for that. Um, how do you see that going? Well, how do you see Rangers Champions League group, group going overall? How do you how do you see Rangers finishing? Um, just looking at it now, I think you'll be relying on Napoli doing you a favour in the, their upcoming double header against Ajax. Um. And then obviously Napoli take points, and then if you don't get into Liverpool, then that's pretty much over for you in terms of Champions League. It would leave you, but he's done it last year in the Europa League. Like you, you would take dropping down into Europa and giving that an off crack, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. mate. That, that... Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got unfinished business there. <laughs> like I remember when I was in Seville Airport, and I was saying to uh, Eva, I was like, right. Where's the Europa League final next year? Like, because I was like, I fancy another crack at this man, you know. Um, but yeah, like if we, if we drop down to Europa League, I'll be delighted with that. Because I think the last sixteen is away from us now. I was feeling quite optimistic after I seen the group, and I was like, it'll be tough. But made Europa League final last year, so I'm like, anything's possible, you know. But uh, but I think it's unlikely now because I thought 
Like the Ajax game is what really done it for us because that was a game like going into the group, you're expecting to get something from Ajax home and away. And obviously we played use like three days prior in the in the league he's beat us 4 0. We go play Ajax, get beat 4 0. And I actually think by the way, the Ajax game was worse than the old firm game. Cause the Ajax game we were just like we had no confidence whatsoever. As soon as they scored, the heads went down. The players, it looked like they weren't even trying or caring. Um, it was just pathetic. It was embarrassing. <clears throat> and I, that, I remember that night, that's where the, the pitchforks were really out for Gio. Because two back-to-back 4-0 defeats at any old firm club is very, very bad. Um and also, I can I can still say right now, like I like Gio and I still think he's the right man, but he is under pressure. And um, when we played Dun United um, last weekend, we were <laughs> we were terrible, <laughs> to be honest, Chris. We were we were rotten. Um, but all, when we took the lead early doors, I was expecting us to steamroll Dun United because Dun United right now are terrible. They're bottom of the league. They've got zero confidence. They got beat nine 0 off yous. Like yeah. that was nine going on about twelve thirteen. You know. Yeah. And I was expecting us to make a real statement, considering we had lost three games on the bounce, playing terrible, confidence is low. But, but so I remember when they scored in the, the second half to pull it back to two one. I was like, I was a bag of nerves. Like I was so frustrated. The players were slow, passive, struggling to create anything. Just we're just trying to see it out at two one. And um, but thankfully we got there in the end. Um. But I'm, oh, I dread to imagine the reaction if we had dropped points against Dun United that day. It would have been catastrophic for Gio. Um, and it was another big bonus for us as well when St Mirren beat his 2-0 the day after. Um, and we'll talk about that. Like, no one's seen that one coming, Chris. Like, Postacoglu, like, he rested so many of the big guns. That was just a baffling decision, in my opinion, why he done that. Yeah, as I said earlier on, I didn't actually see the game, but um, yeah, I've seen the team selection in the morning and I was kind of like, what's going on? I know the international break and that's coming up, but what's going on here? I didn't understand it. And then that kind of didn't sit right with me. It just didn't sit right with me in the sense that it made me nervous for the game coming up and that it wasn't going to be our day and... Sure enough, it was one of those days where these results do happen to just about every team at some point in the season. Drop points, lose a game in a game you don't expect, and all of a sudden, the gap at the top is only two points again. Yeah, no, exactly. just shows you how quickly things can turn around. Um, Rangers win 2-1 against the United. You just get beat 2-0 off St Mirren. And the whole fun game just seems like, in Celtic fans' minds on that day, a lifetime ago. Like, just I think you start the, the, the month off, Batting and us four 0 then you come then to what like right before the international international break, get beat two two nil off Saint Mirren, two oh, get beat two nil off Saint Mirren, and it's almost like what is going on here, you know? And see on the day though, Saint Mirren fully deserved that result because defensively they were superb, they were so well organised. You just really struggled to break them down, and even when you brought on the big boys like when you brought on uh, Jota, um, still Celtic couldn't really do anything, you know? Like that like Celtic really struggled to create anything. I really thought, okay, Jotas came on, right, Celtic can really push on here and maybe get something, but no. Yeah, I, 
actually didn't see the highlights back, but from what I heard, yeah, just basically what you said, they just did not look like scoring or getting game back, so damage was done at that point. Yeah, because I remember um, I was saying to Graham in the group chat, when obviously when Jota and Atati came on, he was like, oh no, here we go, uh, Celtic are going to get back in this now, but no, like, Celtic really struggled to create anything, man, and then it was incredibly true, sitting there in, well, superb, and Curtis Main, by the way, Curtis main right he's well known as a a journeyman in the Scottish game and he gave your defence a like a horrible time on the day so he did yeah. like him of all people you know um, but after that result were you thinking oh god like I, I might be a wee, did you feel a bit worried uh, not necessarily. Um, obviously, I think the result kind of came at the right time for us the, with the international break. So that gives Ange like, the full window to kind of evaluate what went wrong. Um, he obviously came out and accepted your responsibility for the team selection, as he should. So it's a very kind of accountable self kind of guy. That's what you kind of like to see. So um, hoping for uh, he's got it sorted out now won't make such rash changes um, unnecessarily in games going forward and hoping for a good bounce back this weekend um, at home to Motherwell. And we've got hearts. We've got hearts this weekend. Um, that'll be a tough one. That'll be tough. Um, but I, like just going back to the done your right result, I see the international break. You know my thoughts on the international break, right? Mm-hmm. Rangers winning that 2-1 and the international break was coming up. I was delighted probably the first time in my life, Chris, where I was over the moon that it was international break because it couldn't have came at a better time. Rangers just low in confidence, just need a, a break, you know. Where, like, I think that that hopefully, right, fingers crossed, I think that international break will be would have been perfect for Gio. Like, time for him to, like, go away, reevaluate and think, okay, I need to change something up. I need to make us fresh again, you know, because the four two three one system um has worked well for Angels in the past. But now it's predictable, it's it's stale. Um teams have figured it out. Um and obviously we're playing one up front. It seems like Giovanni Van Bronkos is very set in his ways when it comes to that. But hopefully like going into the game this weekend we might see something different because I would want a three five two, a four four two something and one of one of the main reasons why I want that is because we've got a, a player like Alfredo Morelos on the bench, right? Who's a top top striker, and you, he's not a player that you can just keep on the bench. He can't just play second fiddle, even though Trola has been fantastic for us, and he, he's probably been our signing of the summer. He's scored about nine goals or something like that so far for us. Um, he he can't just keep Morelos on the bench, so I want to see two up top. I think it could work. Um, it's not really worked in the past before, but if if Morelos is playing alongside uh, a goal scorer who he, who he can properly link up with, like Cholak, I think it can work out perfectly because Cholak is a perfect uh, six-yard box striker. When he gets service in that box, nine times out of ten, he's going to score it. And that's like, I know he had some other flaws in his game when it comes to maybe some of his, a bit of his work rate um, and whatnot, but I think he's always getting goals. That's all. That's all that matters. Like I would rather, like for example, Chris Boyd got a lot of criticism because his work rate wasn't the best. But who cares if he you bash, you get score goals. If he gets your goals, who cares? You know. So 
I would want to see a 3-5-2, 4-4-2, something different. Because um, obviously Alfie's contract is up at the end of the season. And if he's going to continue being number two, um, he's he's not going to stay, mate. Simple as he's going to be off. Yeah, and the shame for you to lose a player like that for a free win. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, we've had him for about five years now. Signed him for about yeah. £1 million. Pounds. Um, so I think the next... But we've obviously got the World Cup coming up soon. Anyway, so I think probably in the next like two or three months are going to be massive. Because if Morelos isn't getting his game time, it's Tata him. And I'll be devastated. That would be a big blow if I'm going for absolutely nothing. And I will, I don't want him to go. I want him to stay. I would love it if he finishes <laughs> finished his career at us, you know, but that's very unlikely. But when he does go, I want to get a fee for him. I don't want him to just leave with not, with, for nothing, you know. Yeah, I'd be raging let some of the players we've got, if any of them were ever in that situation, it'd be criminal to see them walk out the door for nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I think we need to touch on, it's been a a well-discussed uh, topic over the last like month or so, Rangers uh, transfer business. Um, what do you make of it, uh, the, the, the signings Rangers have made? Obviously, Rangers have signed uh, Cholak, Yilmaz, Ben Davies, John Suter, Matondo, um, Tillman, um, I think that's who I can think off the top of my head, actually. Tom Warrens. Um, yeah, what do you make of Rangers' uh, transfer business this summer? And then I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy window for you. Um, obviously, Cholak, he's the uh, signing that jumps off the paper to me. Um, with just his goal rate, it's quite outstanding. So, going into the old firm, I was worried about what, what kind of trouble he, what they gave us. Um Thankfully, in the day, nothing came to it. But, uh, yeah, good window on paper. I think there's still a few still need to kind of prove themselves, but they've got the time. Like, like John Lundstrom, everyone hit out at him and look what happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think, overall, the business that we've made, I know this is quite unpopular with Rangers fans, on paper, I'm happy with the business that we've done. But after we qualified for the Champions League, we should have, brought in one or two more players because the money was clearly there but the board just didn't want to spend it you know and or like Ben Davies signed him from Liverpool for about £4 million pounds, right we've not seen much of him I think he's injured or he's not fully match fit Yelmas we signed him for around about £5 million pounds, right he's on the bench he's only played one game mate right so if we're going to spend £5 million pounds on Yelmas who does look good right why are we not starting him like don't get me wrong bon- Bonabacic has been terrific so far this season right but could that money not have been spent elsewhere, that £5 million, pounds, or maybe a right winger, maybe another midfielder, you know? Um, Cholak, as we said, he's been start- the standout. Tom Lawrence, before he got injured, was on fire, by the way. He's he's going to be a real top player for us. It's I think it's an absolute steal how we got him for a free. Um, John Suter, I think he will come good. I think he's got some injury problems right now. Didn't have a great debut. Uh, against Livingston, but apparently that was due to personal issues in his life. Um, and Tillman's been a great player as well. Like we've got the option of uh, to buy him from Bayern Munich in January for around four or five million pounds. I would one hundred percent snap him up. He's a terrific talent, so he is. But yeah, uh, Matondo, uh, let's be unpopular, unpopular when Rangers fans give him time. I think he will come good. Um, but I, I do feel as though we just should have brought in one or two more players, especially for the Champions League as well. Um, and I didn't like what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst said after the Diets game when he came out and said um, we need hundreds of millions of pounds to compete in the Champions League. No, we don't. 
Look what we done last year. Made the Europa League final, and he's saying that we need hundreds of millions of pounds to compete. That is, I thought that was a weak, that was a very weak excuse for why we played terrible against Ajax. Like I really didn't like that, you know, and because we didn't need hundreds of millions of pounds to beat Leipzig and Borussia Dortmund, and even a few years ago when we beat Porto, at Ibrox two 0 you know. So yeah, I was disappointed with that from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, but um, Saturday against Hearts would be massive. That would be a real tough test. Hearts are a very good side. Um, they're another team who's made Europe. Uh, they won uh, a couple of weeks ago in the, the conference against, I think it's Riga, 1-2-0. Yeah. yeah, so that was a great result. Obviously, Rangers got beat 3-0, used Riga and Shakhtar, and then it was Hearts flying the flag for the, for the Scottish game in Europe <laughs> that, that week. Yeah, they've only been in the European group stage this season for a Scottish club so far. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but just to like finish off, Chris, um, how we chat about Scotland. Um, Scotland obviously finished top of the their Nations League group and have been guaranteed um, a spot in the playoffs, which will be two games. Uh, so what do you make of that then, Chris? Uh, Scotland qualifying out their group and guaranteed uh, two playoff games. At least one, but one if they but I one if we win the first one, the second one, yeah. Yeah, I think we've done kind of as we should be expecting to do, um, getting in these playoffs. Um, obviously, we made the last Euros um, World Cup playoff. That was a big disappointment. We obviously made amends for that now. But, um, yeah, promotion to League A. Um, going to have some some of the big guns in the next Nations League campaign in two years. And um, playoff for the Euros guaranteed. But at the same time, I still want us to give a good account of ourselves and try as best as we possibly can. We'll, we'll be in pot two for the um, main qualifying draw. So you, you want you want to really be aiming for um, one of the automatic qualifying spots, I feel. Yeah, I felt as though um, the, the game against Ukraine last week, second half Scotland were outstanding and absolutely battered Ukraine. Like It would have been criminal if we had not had won that. Uh, the Republic of Ireland game, I think it was just all about the result. We weren't, we weren't great. But job done. And then Ukraine, it's quite a quite a dull affair. Uh, Scotland were quite lucky in the, in the in the first half where the ball was crossed in and the Ukrainian striker just skied it over the bar. It was unmarked and everything. We got away with that one. But we finished top of the group. That was what more could you want? But here's a question. What position would you rather be in? Would you rather be in Wales position or opposition right now? I'd, I'd rather be going to Qatar in November. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Um, you know my thoughts on Steve Clark. Um, uh, I'm not a fan. Um, I'm still quite bitter about how bad we've done at the Euros. We were embarrassing, finishing rock bottom of the group with one point and one goal. Um, I think back in June we bottled the World Cup. That was a prime opportunity to make the World Cup. I don't think we'll ever, honestly, Chris. I don't think we'll get a better chance than that. Like we, if we had beat Wales, we would have played. No, sorry, if we, if we had beat Ukraine, we would have played Wales in the final. Mm-hmm. And I probably, who knows, I probably would have fancied our chances against Wales, to be honest. Um, and we just bottled it. We got battered 3-1 at home off Ukraine. And for me at that point, Steve Clark should have went. Um, I, 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 I'm finding it quite cringy, all this support and this Steve Clark loving from the media right now. Or people got short memories. Like, look what happened in June. Bottled the World Cup. And uh, I'm seeing... Like Scotland fans trying to wind up England fans and Wales fans, like, oh, we finished up a group, you just got relegated. 
They're going to the World Cup. We're not. We'll be like we'll be watching them compete at the World Cup on the the biggest club. No, sorry, the biggest uh, football competition in the world. And well, we are just kind of like sat at home, twirling our thumbs. Well, Scotland fans are all praying and hoping England lose or whatever, you know. But like also as well, what a group that could have been for us. We could have been in a group with England, um, America, and Iran, mate. So we look at that group, that would have been like, we could have finished second in that group. And then we, we could have got through, like, to the next round, you know? Like, that is, that, that is what makes it even more frustrating, you know? And I think, I, I think Scotland fans just need to kind of, like, stop having this tin pot mentality of, like, oh, we finished top of our Nations League group, but yeah, maybe we didn't qualify for World Cup, you know? But I feel as though, I think if we don't make the Euros, I don't think Steve Clark will get sacked. I think he'll just resign because we're like we're gonna go after that. You know, he's like he already took us to the Euros uh, last year. But do you think if he doesn't make, like, if he don't make the Euros in twenty twenty four, do you think that'll be him? I know he's got his contract. I think I can't remember exactly what point if it was before the playoff or somehow after the playoff he got his extension. I think he's under contract through 2026. But, uh, yeah, it's probably kind of the natural point that if um, we don't make the Euros, like he's took his to at least one Euros, didn't make the World Cup, that would have been the next big thing. Um, probably the kind of natural sort of point where him and SFV should both be coming to sort of kind of mutual agreement to part and go in a different direction. Yeah, and just to finish off here, Chris, you know who I would want to see as the next Scotland manager? Robbie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. I'm a big I'd, fan I'd, of Robbie Nielsen. <laughs> I'd like to see a young manager take the reins at Scotland for once. Yeah, exactly. I like Robbie Nielsen. He's done a great job at Hearts and um, he's a young coach. He's a young modern coach. He's really in touch. He's not a dinosaur like Steve Clark. Um, yeah, I think it would be something exciting, something fresh, you know. But yeah, that that would be my guy. That's what I would want. Fair enough. Had- Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Also check out my TikTok account, Scott Bradley X, where I speak about all things Scottish football. And I also like to give my controversial takes as per usual, like I do on Scott Score. So until next time, guys, take care and we'll see you soon.